0: Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is Joshua Kahn with the news. At 3.05, windows all across Dairy shattered from shockwaves following an explosion in Haven. We take you to Ben Graham, reporting live from Haven. What do you mean, there's too many signals? Did you at least put fresh batteries in his tape recorder? Uh, there are no batteries in Dairy. Seriously? Uh, My apologies, listeners, for these technical difficulties. We will update you as soon as we know what's become of Haven. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio.
1: This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham.
2: What up, Constant Readers?
1: And today we are covering book two of The Tommy Knockers. if you are following along. And if not, major spoilers ahead. And Josh is leading our discussion.
0: Yes, I am. So, so much happens. I want to dive right <laughs> into this because it's insane. This book two is, is almost... Could just be its own book, it feels like So book two is titled The Tales of Haven And it takes us back all the way To the beginnings Of Haven, sorry, I mean Montville Plantation, sorry uh, Cootersville (laughs) uh, Montgomery, no wait Ilium, no (laughs) Haven, yes, Haven, Books of Haven I I don't know why we get the Entire town's history of forever Do
2: do we need to even discuss This chapter? (laughs) does nothing it it drives me crazy because king is great at doing this these little miniature histories most notably uh the the history of the marston house he does very well in salem's lot and then of course we haven't talked about it but the history of dairy in it which he wrote just a year before this what wow. happened <laughs> um but he he does the history of derry and it's like thematic and shows how it affected the town and its evolution and it was always there that does not come into play it's like the ship the fact that the ship was in haven does not play into its history fucking at all
0: the reason i was bringing it up is cuz i didn't know if i was missing something nope. Because like it talks about like, crazy revival preacher and all this uh, interesting backstory, but it just doesn't really affect how we, except for it sets up several little callbacks that aren't like huge. They're just like, oh, neat. Yeah. It,
2: it's, <laughs> honestly, if you cut this chapter from the book, which is a lot of this second book, if you cut it, nothing would change.
0: No.
1: I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of liked it because it it did give uh, a little bit of that sense that you know first episode we talked about how the influence of this ship you know is it how powerful it is until she starts digging it up uh-huh. and I was thinking it was just sort of completely muted but in this we find out that it's not it's always had some sort of influence or control over the townspeople but has on, it yeah depending on who lives closer. I think that that's why the priest was so charismatic and crazy. I think he was a swindler, but I think he also got swept up in that. I think that's why people were more, like, fell into what he was selling easier. I think that's why Uh, the guy killed the baby and his wife, ultimately. Yes.
2: Yeah, okay. Did they, yeah, they say that they lived...
1: In the forest. In that radius. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I, okay, I guess. And, but that's also... Much later on in the book two, they have this <laughs> yes! part where Ev Hillman is like doing all this research and he's like, well, I guess people do go
0: missing in the woods a lot. We're uh, going to come back to that at that oh, time oh, absolutely. because I have so many things to say uh, about it.
2: <laughs> and that little bit accomplishes what this entire first chapter <laughs> th- th- hints at barely. Like it's not needed.
1: I will give you guys that it is weird because the way it's done, it reminds me of like a a, a much later season of a really great TV show, and they're shoehorning something in, and you're like, <laughs> "Well, why didn't you just set that up from the beginning? That wasn't really part of what we've been doing this whole time. You're just shoving that in there." Oh my! Even though it's one, <laughs> even though it's one book, that's is kind of what it felt like.
2: That's also the last chapter of book two. <laughs> yes, It's like, oh shit. I spent so much time dicking around with a bunch of characters we don't know or care about. Duh, we have to set up what's actually what, happening. Wait,
0: what plot is happening?
2: Yeah, why is anyone doing anything yeah. that they're doing?
0: Which we should mention that uh, for the majority of book two, Bobby and Guard are just not there. Mm-hmm. They're referenced a couple times, but for more or less, they're not here this entire section.
1: I love who we do get, though. I love Ruth, and I love Ev.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: That's actually one of the parts about book two I like the most, is it's really cool. Like I said, I like this book structurally, where we spend an entire first part of the book getting to know our, I really struggle to call them protagonists. (laughs) This book doesn't have any protagonists or
0: antagonists. They're just antagonists. Yeah. Uh,
2: (laughs) Setting up these two characters who are, Obstensibly our main characters and then in the middle of the book, they're just
0: gone and mm-hmm. I, I
2: kind of like well, that
0: a lot It makes the most sense because if we were following them, book two would be they go back the next day and dig some more <laughs> they go back the next day and dig some more. So I thought this was really effective to get around jumping past the boring part of what they're doing and see how it's affecting everybody else
2: uh, I at the end of this, I'd like to workshop <laughs> how to make Cook. how how we could have made this. A
0: book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm here for it. Okay. Uh, I want to touch base. The first person we get a full story on, Becca Paulson, who is the, uh, we talked about last episode, Bobby's mailman who's having an affair. Well, Becca Paulson is his wife, and she has a 3D picture of Jesus that talks to her and gets her to electrocute her husband to death with an invention.
2: Very needful things. Very. loved this chapter.
1: This chapter was the point at which I messaged our group chat and I said "fuck," <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was kind of going back to the way we start the chapter with the town history. Mm-hmm. It was showing us more of that, but with more recent. And it was the the one about the guy in the woods hunting when he with killed his, his dad. dad. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's uh, setting up as it's going through the townspeople that everyone is. The first symptom of the ship seems to be low-grade tele... Uh, telepathy. T- telepathy? <laughs> uh, it's my favorite fish. <laughs> Damn it, keep to the joke. <laughs> bastard. Uh, low-grade telepathy where uh, they can kind of read each other's minds. Sometimes, that's another thing, the book really goes in and out of how much anyone can read anyone's mind at any given time.
0: Sure, I guess it depends on, on how affected they are. But I do like that the end of all of this, she, she electrocutes her husband to death, and it's only at that point that she realizes, oh, it wasn't Jesus talking to me. I was getting these telepathic thoughts. It's right. me all along. I wanted to kill my husband. And then she just throws herself on him and they burn to death.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Which is fantastic. <laughs> but the, yeah, when the, the examples that King gives of what Sarah Paulson knows about her neighbors, it shows King doesn't really have a sense for escalation. Because <laughs> the first thing he talks about is, uh, who is it? This guy in her husband's poker game, she knows, shot his dad. And the reason, he thinks it was just for money. But the real reason is because he m- was molested by his dad. And he describes it graphically. Very graphically. Very graphically. But then the
0: next thing she knows is, <laughs> what was it? Somebody, I'm the order that I wrote these down in, is Jesus told her Moss Harlington, uh, the reason Moss Mar- Harlington murdered his father, a secret sexual preference, teenage drug use, and poop pranks.
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the last thing is like some guy shit in <laughs> his, like, boss's room or office or something. It's like, that's not the order you reveal
0: <laughs> them. Oh, God, that's perfect. So. And so something this these first two chapters did was throw me for a loop, thinking that, oh, each one of these stories is going to be a standalone vignette that's not going to impact anything else. Mm-hmm. But our next chapter is where that all changes, because our next chapter is Hilly Brown, our 10-year-old magician. <laughs> what did you guys think about Hilly uh, just from Jump Street?
1: I loved it because the place I thought it was going with his character... Well, I mean, not the tragic part, <laughs> but the part about him uh, being really good at something. You know, the parents were afraid that, that he had some sort of disability and he's actually really, really talented. And it seems like he had the supportive family who was willing to work with him and try to figure out what he would be really good at and focus on his strengths. And then he has this adorable little brother. And, of course, something awful is going to happen. <laughs>
0: right. I didn't. I, the four-year-old little brother, David. Uh, is just super adorable, and I feel so bad for him for every single second after we meet him. This is
2: another uh, one of King's things where he does wholesome, loving family just to make it (laughs) fucking worse for (laughs) you. Uh, And it's funny what you said, Josh, about thinking that this whole book, this whole second book, was going to be nothing but uh, vignettes, because this chapter... If you took this chapter out of the book and just put it in a short story collection, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. It is a, it could stand alone. And I think I would have preferred that, that book two was just a short story collection hidden
0: inside of another book. That would be (laughs) insane and awesome. Right? So Hilly is, he's tested as a genius And uh, for his birthday, he gets a a magic kit and he no matter how hard he works, he's just not he's not a showman. And that's what the whole thing's lacking. He gets like the polite applause because like he's the tricks are happening and it's okay. Mm -hmm. but he wants the oohs and ahs. He wants he wants somebody to faint because his trick is so good, which is insane, (laughs) which is
2: hilarious. If you've ever owned a child's magician set like I did,
1: I did too, Ben. Yeah, I also
0: owned a child magician. For a short
1: period. <laughs> I, was, I was crushed when I, I did my first magic trick for my grandparents because I'd go there after school. And it was obviously the silk scarf tucked into the fake uh-huh. thumb. And they totally called out my fake oh. thumb. <laughs> Thanks, Grandma and Grandpa. I could have been a great magician.
0: Well, uh, after... The the influence of the Tommyknockers is taking over. We get that more people are being inspired to make these inventions and Hilly gets inspired to make a teleporter,
1: I guess. Very the prestige. (laughs) Hopefully not, though.
0: (laughs) He also uh, I realize I made a note at this point that this town single handedly saved Radio Shack. Yeah, because yeah. that's always where they name drop go to radio shack get all these things it's
2: one of the most frustrating things <laughs> in the book for me is that i get that he what he's trying to do with the tommy knockers technology being like you can get so much power it is so stupid <laughs> they're like we somehow made an infinitely powerful device with D cell batteries and some yes. wires, we like, made a
0: small sun and trapped it in a force field yeah. with this egg carton. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, very stupid, but
0: I uh, kind of love it. Yeah, so he he makes this machine and then he puts on his big show, which I feel like he realizes way too late. That his show is just disappearing and reappearing, yeah. increasingly larger <laughs> items.
2: One of my favorite parts of the book is him making that realization. He's like, Well, I guess people aren't going to be super amazed. If they didn't like the disappearing and reappearing tomato, they might get a little bored of the disappearing and reappearing bike, and disappearing and reappearing washing machine.
0: It all culminates to his grand finale, which is the disappearing little brother. And David wants no part of it. Like he's crying and begging to not come up on stage.
1: Did you guys start screaming inside your head at this moment and then continue screaming for the rest of the <laughs> chapter? <laughs> yes.
2: Yes. I I remembered what happened obviously and yeah it is very unnerving because this is also I mean the previous chapter ha- did have two uh, violent deaths but this is the first we're seeing of like the change in mindset mm. that the the ship is giving because Hilly is like this sweet kid who they keep saying he it, one thing that he's always done is love his brother and he he snaps at David and says, "You're gonna you're gonna do it," and like scares David even more.
1: And he's trying to smile trip. on stage, and he's crying and grimacing, and just the way that yeah. that part was written yeah. is so good.
0: I, I pulled this piece of dialogue. He'd had more success loving David than he'd had doing anything else. He set his hand to, including magic. And I just said, "Oh no," because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah king
2: has some tells and (laughs) (laughs) if he's talking about how much two characters love each other then (laughs) something bad's coming
1: it's so infuriating though because when he he does put him up there and david loves his brother just as much as he loves him so he agrees to do the trick even though he's terrified nobody cares he disappears and everyone's Mm. like Okay, great, now we can go inside, it's too hot out here, whatever. They think
0: he's under the stage, but he just dropped down.
1: And nobody looks.
2: And and Hilly, the way he describes Hilly losing his mind, like, Mm -hmm. uh, that he, Hilly in this moment, realizes he had never thought, like, he knew that this device makes things go away and come back. But until he sends his
0: little brother away, he doesn't think
2: where they go, yeah,
0: and he'd never tried out on anything living. Yeah, And that's he keeps hitting the pedal that he has. And David just doesn't come back. And he starts frantically saying, like, "Oh, I promise I'll give him all my G i Joes if he would if he just comes back when Except I do it that's my two
1: favorite because <laughs> <laughs> he is a kid,
0: yeah, but then, <laughs> He said an S as all of them <laughs> after that doesn't work. And he uh he like passes out. He like goes he almost goes insane. Probably does go insane and just yeah. collapses. Mm-hmm.
2: And the only person that even remotely cares is his his grandpa, Ev, who even then gets so freaked out that he walks away.
0: Yeah. Next, we briefly get to meet Bent and Jingles. Oof. <laughs> Also, a story that I thought was going to go on a lot longer, this section is so brief, so we're going to circle back to most of what happens. Yeah, I I figured this next big
2: chunk of the book would be easier if we just do it chronologically. Yes. Which is something King refuses to do.
0: (laughs) All right, so we'll circle back to Benton Jingles because they are... Important to our next character. Okay,
2: we they are two characters named Bent and Jingles, and not one character named Benton Jingles. Yeah, yeah. Although, <laughs> Bent is
0: on par <laughs> with
2: most of the names of yes. the people
0: in town. I actually
1: like that. <laughs> Benton,
0: Benton Rhodes and Peter Jingles Gavins, who apparently there's some character named Jingles that... Uh, who cares? Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> They're not here for very long. But uh, they are part of Ruth uh, Ruth McCausland's story. Uh, Sam, tell us a little bit about Ruth.
1: Ruth is amazing. <laughs> I love her. And when Josh asked if there was anybody we really wanted to talk about, I made the joke, I want to talk about Holly. I mean, Ruth. <laughs> because I, even though I haven't yet read the Bill Hodges trilogy, I feel like just the way that, you know, Josh, you described her and kind of a little bit of what we got from her for me, she reminded me of that type of character, someone further along in her self-growth process than Holly was, uh, more sure of herself, more confident, but just a person that you would love to know. And the—and we'll get into this, but the townspeople in the book itself describes her as the heart of the town and everybody loves her. And we all like, love her. <laughs>
2: and we do. I, I love her. Uh, she She does... Everything, yeah, yeah. She's
0: what all it because uh, she is she was the library, she started the library, she used to canvas for charities, several different charities all over the place. Uh, and then she became the constable of the town, yes, the oh. first
2: female constable, one of what four female constables yeah. in Maine.
0: She also ha- uh, graduated with a law degree,
2: and yeah, she <laughs> graduates with a law degree. Specifically, just to help her husband, who is a state.
0: Well, she was in state, she right. was in law school when they met. Oh, okay. So she just fought, she said she wouldn't get married because if she became a lawyer and he's gonna be he planned on being a state trooper, that they could be better partners. Yeah. Which, I, again, Ruth, you're amazing.
1: I think if we, okay, can I just talk about the dog thing because yes. I think that summarizes her character oh, absolutely. perfectly. So when the, the book gives us this little backstory about when she was canvassing for the American Cancer Society, I believe, mm. and she would always do such a good job because she went to every door. She even went to the doors that people would typically avoid, you know, kind of rough, rough places that no one would usually go to.
2: Yeah. Haven's kind of a hick. A little yeah. bit.
1: <laughs> and one of these places she went to, no one was home except for a dog and the dog bit her. And she's like, all right. So she starts walking back to her car and the dog bites her again. And before she can get into her car, bites her a third time and takes a chunk out of her calf. So she very calmly <laughs> gets the gun out of her trunk, puts a bullet in the dog, wraps it up in a blanket, takes it to the vet. And the whole time she's she's not complaining. She's not screaming or crying, which I would be. But yeah. I'm oh, for sure. And she calls the owner and she explains your dog bit me three times. It was one too many. And I shot it. And I hope you'll still give to charity, though, because it's really important. And the guy, I love how it describes, he he tells her off. He says he's, like, more eloquent than he could ever hope to be or would ever be again in his life.
2: Yeah. So it's a, the level of uh, <laughs> profanity that he reached, he would reminisce about for the rest of his life, which is... Fantastic! Yeah, yeah, that that whole segment is awesome, and it shows how calm and collected, and how forgiving almost, while still standing her ground. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it here first. CM loves violence against dogs. <laughs>
1: I think that's
0: the take. We're getting shut down by PETA.
1: That is so not true. Like, we're never going to be able to do Cujo.
0: (laughs) Don't worry. She didn't shoot a rat, CM. It's fine.
1: Okay. (laughs) I've had pet rats. I mean, I've also had pet dogs. You know what? I'm just messed up.
0: (laughs) So uh, another thing, uh, Ruth becomes a widow at, at only 37, which is one of the reasons she pours so much of herself into her community, because she, despite being fertile, both of them, they never had kids. So she, she kind of treats the town as all of her kids.
1: Well, in that, there's something else she does because she can't have kids, which is her only, only flaw. <laughs> and it is to collect dolls, because <laughs> dolls are creepy.
0: Dolls are creepy. But she has her own little schoolhouse. With all these dolls that she collects. Which is much worse. Yeah, <laughs> Which is definitely and bad. And she
1: lets kids play with them.
0: But I think that's also kind of endearing. Like, she mm. she loves them, but is not so obsessed with them. Like, oh, no, you can't touch them. You'll get them dirty mm-hmm. or break them. She flat out tells one of the parents, like, your kid is holding a, a very rare, very expensive doll. But I, it's dolls doll. are meant to be played with. Yeah. And they're meant to bring joy. So that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really great. Uh, when she becomes constable, she runs out. Uh, she runs some people out of town. She runs out an incest ring, hippies, and an abusive stepfather.
1: Oh, I loved that part because that also ties in another character that we'll get more of a little later in this chapter. Uh, Monster, yes, and I-, I just loved that. You know, they the way the way King describes it, it's just like this perfect little treat that's like <laughs> really horrible and disgusting, but. These kids get a new stepdad and the people in town start noticing that they're showing up with bruises and it's always, oh, she stepped on a rake. She f- fell down mm. the stairs. He slipped in the bathtub. And so Ruth goes to have a talk with him and the guy uh, doesn't want to hear a reason. So she comes back with Monster who's like six foot eight, 300 pounds. Yeah,
2: he's an- another statey that worked mm-hmm. with her with her husband and who has a crush on
1: her. And they have a talk with a guy, and wouldn't you know it, he stepped on a rake, he fell down the (laughs) stairs, he slipped in the bathtub, he just had a really unlucky day, and then he decided to leave town. (laughs) And that's how it's described, and I love it.
0: That was real amazing. And its I think it's because she's so strong that she holds out against, uh, they describe it as Ruth Mind and Tommy Knocker Mind. Uh, The people who are kind of keeping their sanity are of Ruth Mind, and- she uh, she starts, like, running tongue twisters through her head to, like, block out that noise. Mm-hmm. And so she's noticing that everybody in town is noticing she's not where they are.
2: It's really cool. And I, this whole section, I couldn't help but feel the, the inspiration King took. Mm-hmm. Because... This whole chapter feels very, I'm going to get this story wrong. The terror at Innsmouth, is that it? It's a Lovecraft story Mm -hmm. where it's just this town that's wrong because Mm -hmm. they're all fish-worshipping weirdos or whatever. (laughs) But it feels like that where she, you get this feeling of her being on the outside and noticing everything. And then the the tongue twisters are uh, just Village of the Damned. Yeah. It's the brick wall yeah. Yeah. in Village of the Damned, which I
0: thought was really cool. <laughs> She's, uh, we also get a glimpse of another, some overall things that have happened through the town. Now, it's not just affecting people who live there. People who are driving through are becoming nauseous the second they get into town. Uh, there's a kid who, from the moment they drive in the city limits till the point he drives out, a small child loses 40. And uh, a woman who we meet briefly early earlier on, Mabel, accidentally collapses all her molecules.
1: That is so <laughs> cool. <laughs> oh, it's also worth mentioning that the, the only other people who aren't affected, like Ruth, have metal plates in their head. Yeah. So just she's that strong of a person that she is also unaffected but does not, not because she has a metal plate in her head.
2: Okay. Yes, that is cool. I have to air a grievance right now. <laughs> all right. The metal plates, the ship, what the ship does. Okay, where to start? Okay, Gardner and Ev Hillman, we eventually learn, have metal plates in their head. And that is stopping the influence of the ship on them and stopping them from becoming.
1: It's like the tin hat theory.
2: Except that is stupid. (laughs) Because... I forget which character theorizes this. I think it's Gardner in the first book, maybe. Mentions he thinks maybe what if whatever this ship is made of, as we expose it to the surface, what if it's oxidizing? Yeah. And there's a cloud that is spreading.
0: I think I see where you're going with this.
2: And that's what's changing people. It's a complete guess. it's, It's speculation. It is never, but it's exactly what's happening. Because later in the book, we have a character put on an oxygen mask and it stops the effects of the ship. Yep. Those two things aren't connected. <laughs> you wait. A you don't breathe metal, through your head. A metal plate in your head <laughs> is not going to stop you from breathing oh weird alien. I gas. did not even consider that until this and exact moment. The metal plates—they almost make sense. Yeah, and yeah, and would make sense if they went with something I complained about in the first book. The idea of these psychic vibrations, mm-hmm. which is nothing. But if that's what it was, it would make sense that the metal plate is blocking that because it's like some kind of weird alien Wi Fi beaming the Tommy knockers into your head. And they bounce off the metal plate. Sure, I buy that. Nope, <laughs> it's the air.
1: See, I, okay, I think it's both. I think the air is what triggers physical changes, and I think that the psychic vibrations are what triggers mental changes, and the plates are blocking out the mental changes.
2: Except Gardner is around the ship more than anyone else, and he doesn't even lose
0: his first tooth until almost the last- Like a month in. Yeah. But he
1: gets horrific nose and ear bleeds.
0: But that's from the like whatever the magnetic or whatever, yeah, the, the waves, vi- the vibrations. Because that's like, damn when-
1: it, you guys! I just want this to work. Why are you <laughs> arguing with
0: me? I was, man, I was so with you for uh, just a short
2: while. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I, but- I
1: assume though. Uh, no, damn it. <laughs> I'm I keep trying because he they're they're uncovering more of it. So uh-huh. at, because more of it was uncovered, like later, uh, for example, in Monster has to use the oxygen mask, I assumed that. He was affected so immediately because
0: so much of it was So out much of, of out. it was yeah,
1: yeah exposed, but <laughs> Yeah, Ev doesn't lose his teeth.
0: Yep. Yeah. Uh, wait, yeah. wait.
1: Ev has dentures, I bet.
0: Oh my god. There we
1: go. Okay. Sure. <laughs> so,
0: next this is
2: this is Gardner having the shining.
1: This is <laughs> us trying
2: our best. Just
0: trying so hard <laughs> to so make, make it this happen. not stupid. <laughs> Uh, what's not stupid is the scene where Ruth loses three hours in her in her schoolhouse and comes to because her dolls are talking and the dolls are talking with the voice of the townspeople that are around her. And she has a little chalkboard and written on the chalkboard because this is David has gone has been missing. They've been searching for days. It's been exhausting. Nobody has any trace. But somewhere in her brain, in her in her Tommy mind. Knows that David's gone, so she wakes up, and on the board is written, David Brown is on Altair 4, which is uh, I don't know if you guys catch the reference, the reference to uh, the 1956 film Forbidden Planet, and it's dumb,
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's in Star Trek. The oh, it is, series as well.
0: Oh. Huh. It is so much less scary when you name stuff, <laughs> but. I don't think that's like the actual name. I think that it's, it's pulling it, that collective reference Yeah, it's because they not. keep having dreams that David is lying on a ground that's unfamiliar with a skyline that has no recognizable marks, and he's trying so hard to breathe and he Which
1: can't. Which reminds and you of
0: the,
2: the 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 where Mother comes from. Yeah, except there's no giant holes in the sky. I <laughs> yeah. didn't think of that. Yeah, <laughs> no giant ants. It's that vision is scary. Being trapped on a weird alien planet scary when you give it a dumb pop culture name not scary (laughs) it is the same thing we are over and over again he tries to convince us that the name Tommyknockers is scary it's not (laughs) it is a
0: dumb name that he could have called anything else if guard had thought of anything else that's what everybody in town would call them I thought of the stay puffed
2: marshmallow man something that could never (laughs) hurt us Ah. Stay puffed, stay puffed oh. Knocking at the door
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh god um, So Ruth is now being she's, She feels herself becoming more Taken over by this influence And gets the, the feeling that she Has to send a signal And she cuts all of her dolls open, places a gadget she made out of C-cell batteries, wires, calculators, toilet paper tubes, all this stuff. Fills her dolls with all of these things and then drags a giant sack of them to the town hall. Where she proceeds to climb into the clock tower and rig it to explode. Which is awesome! The thing that I, I love so much about it is that she... Sets everything up. She sets up the mechanism so at three o'clock it's gonna explode. People far and wide are gonna see it, and somebody's gonna come to the rescue for this town. She falls asleep, wakes up covered in bats. I've thought of a million ways I don't want to wake up. Covered in bats is up there.
1: Damn it. I think Ben was right earlier because when she. This is stupid. <laughs> When she wakes up covered in bats, she freaks out because she's covered in bats. Sure. And I just thought, but bats are <laughs> like, so adorable. Like, oh my wouldn't God. you be like, "Oh, like no, a, a, a adorable living blanket"? I wouldn't mind it. No nope. Here's
2: the thing: every living animal in Haven is dead. This yes. uh, yeah. gaseous cloud kills all oh.
1: animals. And she can hear the thoughts of the bats, and they're insane. And bats are not insane; they're wonderful creatures. You, so
2: you can't prove that.
1: You can't prove I can't prove it
2: My point is they should be dead Like why are there bats They're protected in the clock tower Time. They all all have metal plates in their
0: hands. Yes Uh, But in a panic she wakes up And like rips some of them in half Which is great (laughs) Falls down the ladder and breaks all of her ribs And she Prays for death And at 3.05 that prayer is answered Because all of her dolls explode, firing the top of town hall into the sky like a blazing green rocket.
1: We should also mention that before she does this drastic thing, she does try to leave town. She tries to escape. Yes. And while other people like uh, Ev and Hilly were able to escape because he took his grandson to the hospital, she can't. It's like there's an invisible force, which... Made me think of Under the Dome, of course,
2: mm-hmm. and it's that the same like spongy force field that Gardner felt around the mini sun in mm-hmm. uh, in had we haven't talked about her in so long. What's the main Bobby. character of this book <laughs> named Bobby? Bobby, uh, in her in her basement, but yeah, I love that she has this this plan to send a signal to blow up the town hall and it's pointless (laughs) because everyone in town as much as she is trying to block them out they know they're all connected they're a hive mind because all of them at the exact moment that this is going to explode every person in town goes inside goes into their basements like they all know that this is coming. They knew. Why didn't they just stop her?
1: <laughs> I think they wanted. It was their way of getting rid of her without actually having to kill her because they love her. So they didn't want to kill her.
2: But immediately afterward, they're like, "Oh no! We wish that wouldn't have happened. Uh, we fucked up. Oh,
0: we, we really fucked up this one, guys."
2: Yeah, it's it's that thing of like, there's no consistency on when they can read minds, when they are Tommyknockers, and when they're just the townsfolk. Yeah, because they could
0: have stopped her at any time.
2: Yes. there. There's no delineation. It's just, oh, we're the Tommyknockers. We're going to go hide from the explosion. But we didn't...
0: But we could have stopped But it. we could have just stopped it. And next, we need two characters who really wish they would have stopped that explosion. Beach Jernigan and Dick Allison. Ben, will you tell us about Beach and Dick? They are indistinguishable from one another. Pretty much. Beach is a little more classic King, overly aggressive villain, I think. Yeah,
2: they, they when they introduce Beach, they're, they say something along the lines of like, uh, even before all the Tommyknockers stuff happened, he would have been glad to... Do some violence on people. <laughs> yeah. And why? It's never explained. <laughs> it's like, it's almost hinted at that he's like this weird militant guy, but it's never. Why? I think, I Against think it's who? used.
0: I think it's used to explain why he is, one, is so eager to make his uh, flaming green railgun that he makes, <laughs> and why he's the first to volunteer, like, yeah, I'll go kill those cops.
2: They are. Just two of the kind of higher ups in, uh, we, we find out later that Bobby has been slowly bringing a select few townspeople to, in big quotes, the shed. <laughs> to, in big quotes, become. A thing that I swear if they had said it one more fucking time, <laughs> it's another thing that's like, it is, that's legitimately ominous. The, the the becoming is way more ominous than Tommyknockers, but he says it. It's one of those phrases that King just gets hooked in his mind and can't stop using. What was I saying? Anyway, they're just <laughs> two guys and they blow up some cops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, the tower, the uh, the clock tower exploding did bring in some cops from Derry, Bent and Jingles, and uh, they realize the cover story of yeah, a furnace exploded. And obliterated the whole top <laughs> of the building and only killed one person and blew up all these dolls. It's fine. <laughs> the What I do think is cool is like the inventive way they used the telepathy. So they're blocking the signal for the cops. They're scrambling it. So as the cops are trying to call back to headquarters, they have someone else focused on reading their minds because they make the point of, if you ask somebody a question... In your head, you've already formulated the answer you think you're gonna get. Mm-hmm. And so they have somebody reading those cops' mind, and then they just say exactly what they think they're gonna hear. So the cops are like, this is weird. <laughs> but it, it checks out, whatever. And they get rid of them by beach blocking the road down at the as they head back to Derry and just vaporizing them and framing this very elaborate crime scene. Which I thought was very cool.
2: Vaporizing them to the point where afterwards he goes into the middle of the road and picks up a (laughs) shoe with a foot still in it.
1: You know, he just copied that one lady who was like vacuuming (laughs) and vaporized herself. Hers seemed less uh, violent.
0: Yeah, very peaceful, just collapsing onto your molecules. Jacklighting is a crime. In Maine. Yeah. Which is where you shine a bright light in a deer's face to stun them and then shoot them.
1: How would someone know you did that?
0: It must just be, I I took it as
2: just, that's a thing that happens in Maine. Yeah. And they found a dead deer and they're like, oh, someone must have been doing that. It's not deer season. And they killed these cops to get away with it.
1: Yeah, no, I I get that. I just mean like... It's weird to make something like that illegal because the deer is never going to be like, Yeah, he's <laughs> shining this bright light in my eyes and it stunned me. So that's how he got me. Well, how would you know if someone was deer hunting that way?
0: Sure. I think it's also more important that it's not deer season. So hunting deer is technically illegal at this it's,
2: point. It, it's a stupid plan. Sure. <laughs> but all here's the thing all of the Tommyknockers' plans are dumb. <laughs> And I actually, that's a positive in this book, I think. Question. Yes.
0: Is it because they're aliens?
2: Yes. And the town's dumb? (laughs) No, no. See, that's what I think it is, is they're so focused on becoming and digging up the ship that when something comes up, like, oh, fuck, our clock tower is gone, we have to, I know, just put a big projection up Build there. a 3D projector. Build a it. 3D projector that only shows one time <laughs> and looks kind of bad. And dead that no one will believe it. And, like, obviously that's not going to work and doesn't. But I think that's kind of a cool way of showing that they're, like, they're half
0: alien now. Yeah. They don't know. It feels like, yeah, they feel like they're so focused on mm-hmm. the excavation. They're just like, i oh, put a band-aid on that. We'll f- yeah. Once we've all become, we'll figure it out. For now, just do this. Yeah,
2: I actually, I actually, it's one point where everyone does stuff for dumb reasons, actually works for the <laughs> book's favor.
0: Yeah. Then we go to our next chapter about Ev. Ev Hillman, who is Hilly and David's grandpa. The only thing, I, before we get into the main thing that happens with him... I just thought it was cool that they dropped a Dead Zone reference yeah. in there. This book is chock-a-blocks. Yep. Yes.
2: Uh, with Because uh, we've met Jack from Talisman. Mm-hmm. There are multiple Pennywise sightings. Yes. Yeah, they mentioned Jack Smith from the Dead Zone, and I swear there was another one, wasn't there? You oh, yeah, all... we get to it, uh, the woods.
0: Oh, yes! Yes! So Ev is doing this research, and uh, just like Bobby arbitrarily puts a compass down and just starts drawing circles <laughs> and we find out that the the center focus where the true center of haven is is big engine woods aka the burning woods which i would like to just refer to it as the burning woods yes, from yes absolutely
2: yeah he, he even like mentions he's like people probably don't want to call it that because it's not cool but then he continues to call it that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh.
0: But the point is that the Burning Woods belonged to the Mi'kmaq Indians.
2: At Ludlow is mentioned yep. in in name. They say it in Ludlow where there, the Mi'kmaq chief was buried. Yeah. And people don't know where that is anymore.
1: I love that on his deathbed... They weren't sure if he was just expressing that the land was cursed or if he was cursing the (laughs) land. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Ev has been following all of this and knows he has to get back to town because he needs to get to the bottom of this, basically. And he goes to see Butch Monster Dugan, who is, uh, as we mentioned, a a friend of Ruth's uh, and a longtime crush on Ruth. He goes to him and he basically says, I can prove something is happening here. But I, if I go back to that town, they're not going to let me leave a second time. There's no way. So while you're all at the funeral tomorrow, I'm going to take a flare gun, fire it up. You see, you see a flare, just know that I'm in trouble. That's that's the plan. And Monster is like trying not to believe him, but at the same time, all of it just feels like it makes sense mm-hmm. to the point where he, after Ev leaves, Monster runs out and is like, "No, I'm coming with you." And then what I thought was fantastic of Ev to suggest, tell all of your officers, don't tell a single person what you're doing, tell them all, you have the flu and that's why you can't go knowing that everybody in town will read everybody's Mm -hmm. mind. So they'll instantly believe, Oh, he just, that's why he's not here. He has the flu.
1: I thought it was cool. Part of the, the way that he was able to buy into what Ev was saying, despite how crazy it sounded was because of his relationship with Ruth, being in love with her and, He was close enough to her that he could tell something was wrong the last few times they talked. And then the way she handled David's missing persons case wasn't at all like her. So I feel like that was kind of how Ev got in with him a little bit because he referenced her death as not an accident.
2: Yeah, It, it was definitely his like close connection to Ruth that made him care and not the fact that after not believing Ev for a real long time, he suddenly remembers, wait a second, the last time I talked to Ruth before her death, she kept saying, stay away from the Haven. <laughs> that's weird.
1: Uh-huh. That's, also, that's also like the first, the way this chapter, this book starts out, because it feels like it's shoehorned in, but it's being written. So you can put it wherever you want. <laughs> you can write things around it to support
2: it. That is the craziest piece of book <laughs> book criticism I've ever heard. Y- yes, it doesn't make sense, but it's a book. So you can say whatever you want. No, no,
0: no. The cla- I was- it's the classic the- book argument. Yes. <laughs>
1: You guys completely took that, not no. the way I said it.
0: I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, no.
1: no,
2: I understand. It's
1: My point is, he could have written that uh. in a way that made sense, because he can put that tidbit of information anywhere in the book that won't make it feel tacked on.
0: Yeah, it, he could have made it not feel so yes. sudden of like, oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. Which I think is the valuable point of including we kind of glossed over it of the amount of times that Ruth reaches out to him during all yeah. of this mm-hmm. and his reaction to finding out th- the only one person who died and it's Ruth and that just yeah. it, it all of that adds up to all of this shadiness yeah. and Ev thinking ahead goes to a medical supply store and buys an oxygen tank
1: um why no not why didn't he why did he buy it why didn't he buy a bunch of refills
0: <laughs> oh that yeah, that too.
2: But he only bought j- 25. Just minutes a full half of mat air.
1: Suit. Yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely. But also, why? <laughs> why okay. does he know? Oh, it's probably the air. Why? See, what, how would he oh, know that? Because
1: the day that uh it was before Ruth died. They had a nice day that was very breezy. Like the the weather had been very like stagnant. They they didn't have a lot of, of oh, heavy fuck, wind. Oh fuck yeah yep. And so I kind of blew that and dissipated it.
0: And everybody woke up feeling like they had a massive hangover that
1: People day. People were a little more normal that day. They couldn't quite understand wow. their previous okay. behavior. Wow okay yeah.
0: I did not catch that. I, I just, as soon as I
2: saw Sam's face, I was like, "Ooh, I remember that now." Fuck. <laughs> okay. I t- one point for Tommyknockers. Good
1: job. <laughs> oh, one point for Sia. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You
0: get all the points. It's cool. (laughs) Let's talk about the funeral. (laughs) So the day of the funeral, Haven has all of these people, this influx of people because she touched so many lives and did so many things. Everybody is gathering to pay their respects and everybody we touch base with is at a different level of feeling sick as hell, which is great. The great story about this is Ev and Monster Driving all the way around the perimeter of Haven so as not to get in the city limits until they hear the church bells ring.
1: But then, so they they go through all this trouble to <laughs> yes. drive around. Yes, they <laughs> do. And then Ev decides, I'm going to use telepathy. telepathy. <laughs> yeah to, you know, alert every (laughs) town person. He could have just driven straight past the Yes.
2: Well, he also, (laughs) yeah, he gets there and he's like, how do I prove what's going on to Monster? I'm going to think as loud as I can. (laughs) And then Monster's like, what? And then he's like, yeah, you think that's crazy? Check this out. And he turns on the radio and gets a really far away radio station. Do
0: that first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you uh, really backwards scaling, yeah, it's, it's just like that one lady reading the townspeople's minds, <laughs> getting reverse order news. So Bobby and the other townspeople that are in this inner circle obviously hear the screaming in their head from a stranger, <laughs> and they leave the funeral to uh, apprehend these intruders. Uh, we finally check back in with Guard who has been just tying one on every single day since we last saw him to the point where he is now puking up blood almost daily
1: Ugh.
2: and uh, making revelations that were obvious since <laughs> the first time he saw the ship
0: he becomes
2: Wait, are these guys going to use this for weapons <laughs> fuck you gardner that's also that was his idea too <laughs>
1: yeah. he does become insufferable in this part become
2: yes <laughs> he's
1: becoming in suffering uh, <laughs> I actually I really that. like the becoming thing it, yeah. Yeah, it is yeah. it is
0: cool and weird and ominous yeah, I'm well, probably gonna use it the thing that I like about it is it to me it expresses the aliens like the limited way of explaining how this alien species would describe what's happening yeah. and that's the closest they can get
1: so are are the knockers terraforming earth
0: uh, yeah
2: I, give, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, yeah. they're they're at least terraforming what they can now. I don't know.
2: Are what, they?
1: Well, they're changing uh, people. Are
2: are they becoming what the aliens were in the ship in the first
1: place? That's what I. Are assume. they something
2: new? Okay, here's the thing. Let's stop for a second to talk about how shitty are these aliens? <laughs> As how are the? Okay, how did this society of aliens that we are being represented? Get far enough to become space travelers because they're assholes. <laughs> they are violent and irrational. Well, okay, maybe not irrational. They're, they're violent. They just don't seem like a society that works.
1: But what if none of that is true? What if they are a society that works? What if they are more even killed? But <laughs> The human element is what corrupts them.
2: Yeah, I did think of that because I was like, they're just like, they fight in the streets and this guy <laughs> makes another guy disappear into space and like... Into the phantom s- zone, dude. Yeah, what a stupid... Su- oh, humans do all that stuff. Never yeah, mind.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, back to our intruders. Evan Dugan finally pull up to the ship and there is... Over a hundred feet of the ship is now exposed. They, It feels like they're halfway, is essentially the vibe they get when Bobby and her armed forces show up.
1: Because, again, Ev alerted them S- screamed to
0: <laughs> their <laughs> presence. <laughs> and... To be fair, Ev does his best by shooting Beach with a flare gun. This is one of the other few things
2: I remember from reading (laughs) this the first time. For some reason, the idea of a guy exploding when getting shot with a flare gun really stuck in my mind. (laughs)
1: It's a brutal death. Well, it talks about how his eyes like melt. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so
0: cool. They try to make their getaway, but uh, Bobby takes Ev out with a shotgun stock to the back of the head. Then Dugan fires through the jeep's windows into Bobby's torso, tearing her lung open. And so I was at first I was like, oh, shit, they're going to kill Bobby in the second part of this book. That would be insane. Yeah. And it is, which is why they don't do it. Instead, they capture them, take them all back and one by one bring Evan Dugan into the shed to make them become.
1: Can I ask a quick question? Yeah. Are there Tommyknockers in the shed or is it something that Bobby built?
0: I think we're going to find out at the very beginning well, of book three. I'm because sure we have kind of an out, idea. Right? We have an idea at the end of this chapter What I, is I know it's
1: something like organic, but because previously she had said that.
0: Maybe four-legged?
1: The Tommyknockers <laughs> Maybe... were dead. Yes. But mm-hmm. it didn't seem like she was lying. Yes. When she said that. Right.
2: No, I, I think the Tommyknockers were, are dead in the ship. But it's broadcasting this information into their heads, and she has built something in the shed to make the becoming
1: happen. So, it's not the Tommyknockers in the shed?
2: No, I think Correct. Josh is okay. hinting pretty soon it's <laughs> in the shed. Yes. Um,
1: I missed it. I don't uh, know. Oh, no it's idea. It's the, the very world. end. Your uh, brain's oh, about to get no. raw. Ru-
2: yeah, there yeah. it is. No. Um, and what's even more upsetting is before we find out that, because Gardner puts two and two together, something that I knew from the first
0: book, like, it was pretty obvious. I Now that I read it, I was like, fuck, how did I miss
1: that? Uh, uh, my brain doesn't want to accept this.
2: Really upsetting is they're, they, they do that thing where King will be writing what people are saying and then what they're thinking in parentheses. That
1: interrupts what they're yeah. saying. Yeah.
2: And at some point, someone is thinking about going into the shed, the becoming, and in the the like parenthetical thought bubbles, they say went into the shed, ate to become, took to, and it's like this weird reference to like the uh,
0: like devourist, yeah.
2: like the like yeah taking take this of my body and eat to yeah.
0: become. Mm-hmm. What are they eating? E- well.
1: For people who haven't read along,
0: you're, if you didn't pick up on my comments I, earlier,
1: I can't finish book three.
0: <laughs> so, for our final chapter, the town concluded. We get to spend time with Guard for a really long, long time. For a real long time. So we find out that Guard has been uh, since Bobby's disappearance. Where they told they said that she was exhausted and they took her to the hospital. He has had a rotating uh, crew of partners. Uh, one of which almost blows him up because they're not listening to him because he can't speak psychically. So he gets really pissed off. And what I thought was really funny is he yells at the guy, but yells to everybody in town specifically, just at that guy. Mm-hmm. That was which cool. yeah, like he gets it that <laughs> we, we touch base a little bit on. It's referred to as the last act of aggression in town, where uh, a guy makes a device that opens up a portal and sucks a dude in but once that dude vanishes through they hear the voice of a small child calling out for help so oh,
1: it's so sad and
0: then they hear him like asking for help and then the dude just shuts the portal off. <laughs> uh okay so before this is such a small
2: part and by small i mean it goes on for 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> this part it, it's this part opens with The last act of true irrationality in Haven happened on this day. And it's just this story about these two old guys who had beef before the becoming and the revenge. But King at the beginning of the story says, it's just a little thing. It wasn't really important, but uh, since it was the last one. It uh, merits a small, brief mention. (laughs) And then he goes on forever about it. And also, that's this entire second book. It's like, (laughs) none of this really affects the main story, which is digging up the machine
0: and what's happening to Bobby and uh, Gardner. But this made me happy to know that David's still technically alive because time works different where he is. And I love that everybody talks about it and they're like, he's still alive. We'll just keep him there in case we need him. Yeah. <laughs> They'll just move on. Leave
2: him there. Yeah, they say Altair Four time works different and that on that planet, it's only been one year since the earth was spit out of the sun. Yeah. So he's Jeez. not only on a different planet, he's millions of years in the past. <laughs> yeah.
1: Hold on. But if he was yelling, help me, please, would they even hear that whole sentence?
0: Yeah, that's... Well, uh, time was linked together for a second. Okay,
1: so it sped Whatever. up as it reached
0: the sure. portal? Sure. Okay. Sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that makes as much sense as anything. We get the return of Freeman Moss, who uh, we mentioned the last episode, who gave Gard a ride, who actually hangs out for a decent amount of time, and him and Guard actually kind of become pals.
2: This is my pitch I mentioned earlier, and how this second book as much as i enjoy it for how crazy it is how it could have made this into a book that makes sense gardner has this rotation of guards and the first two he hates and they hate him and then freeman moss comes and they actually get along and they start to bond that's interesting this second book should have followed gardner as he deals with the changing of the town around him and how his relationship with all of these characters cuz there's so many characters that aren't characters they're just like I can't tell you the difference between uh Dick, Allison and Dick Ellison and Dick Allison and Butch Butch Cassidy, Cassidy. <laughs> like I I they're just interchangeable people that are turning into aliens like if we would have had Gardner like knowing them as people and then seeing their changes and then maybe even being friends with them.
0: Yeah. That would have been cool.
2: This part makes me think are the Tommy bad guys. I think the Tommy are just
0: sort of trying to survive. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's it. The,
2: the, we, all that we know up to this point, the Tommy entire motivation is digging up their ship. That's all we know. Yeah. Are they bad guys? Who fucking
0: knows? But well, they do some kind of fucked up stuff, so maybe
2: I guess again, is that but,
0: is that the nature of the humans making making the decisions violent. So th- th- there's there's a lot of questionable area there.
2: Also, yeah, the morality of this is these are an extinct race of aliens trying to come back. Of course, they're going to fight to
1: survive, exist, yeah. and yeah. survive. I have a problem. Yeah. Book three is not where The Town Concluded begins.
0: The Town Concluded is where book two ends. Book three is called, is titled The Tommyknockers. Did you not finish the reading?
1: No, I'm sorry. I thought that. (laughs) That's why you're so confused about this. three, The Town Concluded, and so I thought it was book three. (laughs) And I read ahead. I only knew a little bit about what we just talked about. Because it's like, oh, I'll just read ahead a little bit. I am so sorry. I didn't know. (laughs) I didn't know. I didn't finish (laughs) book two. Um, Oh! Don't title something three, and then have (laughs) book three. (sighs) Oh
0: God! All right. There's not much left. So, but uh, so I'm I'm gonna Jesus. because of where we're at. All I'm of time. this is
2: not meaning anything. <laughs> I was
1: like, Freeman, wait, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> oh
0: my god, leave this in. That's
1: <laughs> I'm gonna have to because I sound like a moron gonna, earlier.
0: <laughs> I t- this is one of those things I'm telling you, you need to cut and set aside for when we release a like a bloopers episode of like all the shit you usually edit out.
1: D- just, just me keep, being dumb. Keep this whole section. <laughs> you
0: are not. You no. don't have the market on being dumb at this table. <laughs> So we get a, a few last glimpses of the, the world outside the dig site. A neurosurgeon flies over the ship, discovers time travel and dies, his, which is great.
2: His brain explodes <laughs> and we talk about flight insurance a yep. lot.
1: I thought that was really cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> they
0: <laughs> Good bluff, CM. <laughs> They mention that uh, they have to send the youngest people in town out because anybody who is older can't leave ta- city limits without dying. And if people leave, they deteriorate in health so fast. Two of their youngest people leave town and within hours have to return with supplies because they're getting sick and they're like throwing up blood. Which
2: really does support Sam's theory
0: that they're terraforming because mm-hmm. the
2: atmosphere is completely different.
0: The people who have been becoming are starting to appear translucent. The line I pulled out was that one of the guys, when he realizes he's translucent, looks down and sees a tentacle, white at its tip, then shading to rose and finally to a dark blood red as it thickened towards its unseen base, fell out through the fly of his pajama bottoms.
1: So he's just looking at his dick.
0: Yeah, but it's like a translucent dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's he has-
1: that, Like every man's nightmare. <laughs>
2: The Becoming gives you dick tentacles. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, dick tentacles. Uh, Bobby mentions that soon in Haven, there will be no gender everywhere. There
1: will maybe. be no genitals. There will <laughs> <can't> be <laughs> no genitals.
2: No, there, there will be. They're just tentacles. They're just tentacles. Just
1: um, Ge- Damn it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think I stole, I think that's from Futurama or
1: something.
0: Okay. So, Guard is alone at the end of this, and lo and behold, Bobby shows up and they bang of course uh, oh, and
2: it's so unpleasant <laughs> it's
0: a really unpleasant Do, sex does scene.
2: it even really happen yeah of it has it does. that feeling of like it's her it, uh, like a telepathic thing oh because no. i don't think so no i no. think i
0: think but i think the sex like, was like sex with a blow up doll like demolition man
2: yeah wait where that, they put on oh, the yeah, helmet? yeah 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 <laughs> like uh like my x-men fan fiction between rogue and uh gene gray yeah that i read is <laughs> listeners very real
0: oh it's so good we need, uh, to, we need to release that on patreon
2: it, it's on youtube somewhere i've searched for it and can't find it <laughs> so good luck with that constant readers
0: The point here is that Bobby has decided they only have about a mile to go till the hatch, and Bobby and Guard are going to finish together because they started together. But Eh. something (laughs) weird—they just said nice, yeah, okay. Something weird has been happening. Bobby's been sneezing a lot, which is very strange. Guard finally puts it together that with whatever she's been going through, she's needed a lot of comfort, and and her lovely little dog Peter had always given her that comfort when she was really low. And it's weird. Being around Peter also made her allergies flare up really bad.
2: Something that has never been mentioned before in the book so far. not at
0: all.
1: But again, it's a book. You can (laughs) put it wherever (laughs) you want.
0: Classic book argument.
1: Could have put it in there earlier. Yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: And Gard puts these pieces together and decides he's going to drink as hard and as fast as he can to forget what he just pieced together.
1: You know, that would
0: explain why you didn't catch that. Yeah,
1: yeah you guys, I feel the way some of our listeners, because I know a few of them don't read along with us. They just listen and they might not have ever read the book. Right. Now I get it. Now I know how they feel. <laughs> and that is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. As always, thank you for listening. Join us next time where we cover book three, The Tommy Knockers. For Joshua Kahn and Benjamin Graham, I'm CM Alexander reminding you. A person ought to pay the freight on his own obsession. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to The Tommy Knockers Part 2. We hope you enjoyed it. Last episode, we talked about the inspiration behind this story, and apparently, it also resembles a late 50s British sci-fi series, Quarter Mass in the Pit, which sounds like a pretty cool show and was well-received by viewers and critics. Something worth checking out for sure. And check us out on our social media at Dairy Public Radio, or send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com. Visit our website, constantreaders.org, for everything Stephen King and Stephen King adjacent. And if you want to show your support, give us some love. Please check out our Patreon page. Members of the $5 and up tier get access to our bonus podcast, The Club. And speaking of our Patreon, I'd like to take a minute to acknowledge the most beautiful, amazing, supportive people in the world. Kaya Benedict. DD Scherenford, Don Burr, Bryant Burnett, Brad Hahn, Stephanie Pollard, Carlotta Luna, Joel Jones, Jeremy Marr, Amy Lawless, Lyndon Gordon, Lisa Kahn, Tori Lynn McCammy, Casey Bauer, Matt Kendall, Spanky, Reed Flynn, Phil Thiessen, and Alicia Lillian. Thank you so much for your continued support. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.